0: Alright, here we go. It's almost the weekend, once more, with your illustrious host,
1: Joe Tool. Thank you, thank you. It is indeed almost the weekend, um, and welcome back. <laughs> welcome back, I guess, is a weird way to put it, but here we are again with my fellow co-host, King Among Kings, Solomon Island's owner, and um, Lord of
0: the Moon, Darian. Oh, it feels good to be here um i'm actually really excited for this week because yeah it's it's a crossover of two of my favorite things which yeah hell yeah video games and film
1: oh you spoiled it i was gonna ask you how was the week and what have you been playing
0: oh shit we uh, jumped right ahead it's fine I'm, <laughs> look i'm i'm good um yeah. i'm good now i had a pretty i had a pretty uh downtime heavy week Um, I wasn't really able to read, uh, Mm. which was very frustrating. So I couldn't play Disco Elysium at all. Yeah. Damn. That game is a hundred percent reading, right? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I watched season one of Fargo, the TV series, Uh and that was excellent. I had heard it was good, but the storyline is different from the, the Coen brothers movie. But the themes and atmosphere and uh, humor is, is all there. And it just feels so great to be in that world again. Yeah. The, Where did the, you watch that? Uh, it was on Netflix. Oh, nice. um, yeah. But the thing I loved the most about it was <laughs> the hitman played by Billy Bob Thornton. He's so incredibly charismatic and he has so much screen time. It's not like Silence of the Lambs where our boy Anthony Hopkins is on there for 10 minutes and still wins the Oscar because he's just dripping with charisma. <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 the same kind of deal here. You just can't take your eyes off him, and he's in every episode, and he has long sequences, and it's just awesome. That's awesome. So
1: wait, did, did
0: Anthony Hopkins
1: win an Oscar after 20 minutes of performance? Uh,
0: yeah, mm. he 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 won the Oscar for Silence of the Lambs and oh. he was o- he was only on screen for 10 or 11 minutes. That's amazing. That's mm. so crazy. I feel mm. like I knew that but I, I hadn't
1: put together that he's such a minor I mean he's like a major character but he's not he doesn't have much screen time.
0: Yeah. As far as yeah. like the movie is concerned, yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, really really impressive and hard to disagree with as well. Like Jodie Forster does an amazing job, but it's just Man, when when casting meets character in in the ultimate matchup, it's just so evident. So yeah. like, yeah, I, I got a lot of time for his scenes in that movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. I um I can't remember if I mentioned to you, but I think I did. I was taking an acting workshop for like eleven weeks a little while really? ago. Really? Oh, yeah.
0: you might have mentioned, but I also might have forgot. That yeah. That sounds awesome. I've always wanted to do something like that.
1: How did it go? Uh, it was so fun. Yeah, it was great. So the title of the course was Acting for Reference. So when you're animating, especially for um, feature film, mm-hmm. there's sequences where like the actor has read the line and you need to take the audio and act to it. Um, oh, cool. to create the performance. And so like what a lot of animators do is they film themselves doing the scene, doing acting the shot using mm-hmm. a camera, right? And just sit in front of the camera or stand or do whatever that acting requires. Yeah, And um and a lot of the time most Folks don't know how to act <laughs> and I so didn't. you get a lot of,
0: yeah. Acting is really hard and, mm-hmm. and people have these base opinions like, you know, Keanu Reeves is an alright actor and it's like when you're at that level, you're actually a pretty good actor when mm-hmm. it, it's only obvious when you see actually bad actors and when yeah. you see actually bad actors, it's like, Oh fuck. Actually a lot of the people I have, have, you know, scratched away as average are actually pretty good compared yeah. to all the actors that there are. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. It, it was one of those, there was a moment sort of, um, toward the end actually of the course where I was like, Oh, this is like a real craft that's like just as as deep of a bottomless skill well as animation, you know. Oh, a
0: hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. A- animation is one of those. Um, I mean, there's a lot of crafts like this, right? Where like you dive in and you're like, "Oh, how hard can this be?" And you're like, "Oh, it's it's kind of pretty hard, but I can see where the ceiling is, right? I can see how to get there roughly, and then mm-hmm. and then you sort of as you approach that point, that does like that stretching off into the distance infinitely moment where you're like, Oh, I know nothing. (laughs) I am (laughs) a a sweet child, uh, strolling through the forgiveness forest. (laughs) But ahead of me is, is, is the thorny stretch of hell. Um, that is learning this craft. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, I had that moment with the acting workshop. I was like, Oh, there's, I'm, I I know nothing. This is so impressive how deep this goes and, uh, Mm. and just how it's like, it sort of slots right on next to animation as like something that's useful to know to be able to improve your what you do within animation and so I was like yeah "Yeah, this is dope this is such a cool thing to learn about Mm -hmm, Um, That's awesome. and and so much of it is like so fundamental as well right like knowing what your character wants to do in the scene is just like something that I feel like people don't ask themselves before they even start acting doing the acting in their shot they're just like oh just move, move around and and gesture and then that's kind of what acting is right like right yeah and then yeah. you know you, you end up with like all of this really contrived feeling weird um telegraphy style acting that's like something's off about this um and that was the other thing as well was like it, it really gave me like a nice lens through which to critique other animators acting stuff mm, so, right knowing the sorts of questions to ask and and, and like really just being like why to a lot of the stuff because a lot of the time animators feel the need to move things around as being animators you know like mm-hmm. we like to animate stuff but a lot mm-hmm. of the time in an acting piece pe- when they're people are really acting they're not moving very much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they tend to not do a whole heap of moving unless the scene calls for it right the scenes certainly where that is the case but like Animators, see, they'll get a shot or they'll get a line and they're just like, oh, every single phrase needs to have an action associated with it, you know? So you get, Right, yeah. You get a lot of
0: that. Yeah, and I, I think that why Rabbit Hole is really deep as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what lifted the veil for me was starting to watch interviews with actors after I'd yeah. seen a film about how they played the character and their perception of, like, what the character wants and that kind of thing. For yep. me, that was the eye-opening, like, oh, my God, this is actually really involved because yep. they they, they ev- everyone is going to have their own interpretation of the character. Correct. You know, it's, it's like Shakespeare, where when you read Shakespeare your first time, it's just written in a way that doesn't particularly guide you around what the purpose of each scene is. Like, the yeah. dialogue is there, but there are a lot of, like, questions and mood changes that someone who's experienced with Shakespeare or, like, a Shakespeare director will pull from the dialogue that isn't obvious to you initially. And yeah. I, I feel like really experienced actors all have that when they look at a character like they just kind of make it their own and maybe tie it to some real life experiences and that kind of develops the why rather than like you say that Uh,
1: that you're a smart man you basically pull apart the um (laughs) the uh (laughs) crux of what the course teaches throughout the the 11 weeks um but yeah so like each each week was like um each week we got given an audio to listen to and it would be like you know from a usually from a not so well-known source. So, you know, we didn't have any preconceived attachments to who the character was or how it should be acted. Mm. Um, It was usually between 30 seconds and a minute long, which is quite long. Normally in animation for acting, you try to keep it under 10 seconds just because acting for animation is quite complicated and most Mm -hmm. people struggle. Um, But yeah, so it was nice to be able to like have a bit of a longer uh, breadth of time. And so you had like a week to film the reference and so when you think about it, it's like a week is a really long freaking time mm. um, to sit in front of a camera and act. But really the most of the week is spent thinking about who you are and what you want in the scene and whether or not you can get it. Right. And like, <laughs> and developing what, who your character is, you know, cause they do not tell you anything about who your character is. You just have to invent it. Right. And so yeah. like well, the line might be, um, me, you're playing a woman talking to her daughter and your daughter is, you know, um, seeing a guy who she's been interested in for a long time, who you think is like a deadbeat or whatever, you know? So you've got to like choose whether you want to play the daughter or the mother mm. and how you, um, are like taking in what they're telling you. And a huge part of it as well was like, when you're not acting, when you're just listening to the other person talk, that is a really crucial part. Mm. <laughs> like, like just actively listening is kind of 50% of the journey. There's like a whole other, you know, part of it where like a lot of Actors and animators really struggle to just like wait for their turn to speak, you know? Like yeah. they really just like sit yeah. there and their face goes blank while they're trying to think up the next line and yeah. It's like a huge hurdle to overcome. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, that was a really fun course, man. I really uh I wish I had have done it like five years ago. Like it's that yeah. kind of foundational beginning. Like everyone should should do this if they're oh. looking to get into that.
0: That's awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great to do things like that.., mm-hmm.
1: um, And then, yeah, my week was good though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I had my birthday yesterday. no yeah. yes, yesterday, no, two days ago. Oh my God, yesterday was a write off, my God. <laughs> oh yeah. what did you do uh, for your birthday? For my birthday, I, well, I went to work and um, and then afterwards we had a celebration at a place in the city called Chuckle Bar. okay. Um, it was just me and work friends and friend friends and um, nice. There was probably about twelve or thirteen of us, so it was pretty pretty small. But ch- I don't know if you do you know Chuckle Bar.
0: I don't. It sounds like I'd like it though.
1: Yeah, I think it used to be called New Guernica or something like that.
0: Mm, yeah, that doesn't ring a bell either.
1: It's like a, in between two buildings, um, in the city. It's basically like a little alleyway, but like smaller. Oh, um, not
0: the not the place behind Ferdy Dirk.
1: No, no, it's not. It's not near Ferdy Dirk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, they just have cocktails and drinks and stuff. and um, Yeah, that was a really, really good time. Mm, I didn't awesome. quite realize how drunk I was getting until I was really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, I need to slow down because I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> uh, but no, it was, it was, it was a wonderful time. Heaps of people came and um Yeah. It was great. I, I ended up leaving at like midnight or so, um, but they partied on and I saw like they went to karaoke and <laughs> I was just oh like, hell God. yeah.
0: Friends of
1: friends <laughs> hanging out, doing stuff, you know, like I like that vibe where you're like, you don't have to be the host so much. You just
0: get to just chill and have a good time. Totally. I think, yeah. I think that's getting older. Yeah. <laughs> I think, getting older. Yeah. Yeah. People are just well equipped to handle themselves and everyone can have a good time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's really nice.
0: Yeah, hell yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, it was was real. I don't like to like brag about being hungover or anything, but it was just I haven't, you know. After you turn thirty, hangovers tend to be an event, and so uh, <laughs> yesterday was mostly just sleeping. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've been playing Hunt. Have you been playing any games this week?
0: Uh, no, no, I had I had the crispy <laughs> the crash, but yeah. I've I've you know Hunt just sounds so much fun. I can understand why you're why it's it's got its tendrils in you yeah
1: it sure does um the group that i'm playing with are work friends and we're playing through the event right now and it's just um we're getting towards the end of the event because i think there's like three days left yeah but we're all just like we all must finish you know like you have to finish and get like all of the rewards and stuff like that yeah um and so we're
0: probably going to play more tonight hell (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) oh that's awesome so does does Hunt have anything you can tie to film, or is it a one hundred percent video gamey video game?
1: Um. So there is a TV series getting made based around Hunt.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, that's, that's a pretty solid answer. That's <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's one of those games where all of the lore is in text entries that are completely optional. Um, oh, okay. I don't really have much interest in them. Um, I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem like the sort of game it, that like they've made it so optional that it doesn't, it has no hinging on, I don't think your enjoyment of the game. Okay. So this is so
0: secondary. This is a great segue to why <laughs> do video game films suck? Yeah, And, and it's, it's because that like, for whatever reason, I feel like the majority of the time they choose games that don't have enough substance to translate to a story that should be told via film. Mm. Um, and I looked. I'll see if I can bring it up live. But I actually looked at like a list of films that are based on video games, and mm-hmm. the list is just demented. Like, did you know there's a Far Cry film? No. Is it in development or is it finished? Oh, it, it came out years ago. Oh, no. It, it came out years ago. Um, <laughs> oh, like, dear. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's some films that people would definitely not consider good films but absolutely have an entertainment value. And <laughs> I reckon that's the, like... Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat series of films yeah. where the budget is just nowhere near what it needs to be and that serves it so well because the effects are trash, the acting is subpar, and it's just yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Um I, I think that's probably the sweet spot for video game movies. Whenever yeah. whenever they try and go full ham with like a Hollywood budget um it's just it's not a good film and it's not like I, I don't know it's it's not tied to the video game enough that you're gonna care about it I guess yeah like like Doom I don't know if you saw that movie with the rock uh. and, and like Carl Urban. I, I saw Go that in on. the cinema, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I saw that in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> like, because uh, mm. I, I was 15 and oh, I'd, yeah. been, I'd been playing Doom 3, which I've got a huge soft spot for. I don't think a lot of people oh, like that game. But Doom it's... is incredible. Yeah, well, no, I mean the third one specifically. Oh, wait, is um, that the one that was, like, on Xbox? Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it was, like, they really lent on the horror aspect right. of it yes i remember r- it i rented it once yeah Back yeah when you could
1: rent video games oh that <laughs> really ages me right there doesn't it <laughs> throwback <laughs> Back
0: to the video yeah. easy
1: slash blockbuster days where you could rent you could rent consoles
0: yeah yeah, yeah. what totally. a time yeah rent, I mean. renting <laughs> bring it back I want uh, to go back <laughs> yeah dude I think I think we have lost something beautiful in the way we browse um, 100% oh, I was talking about this the other day yes keep going <laughs> uh, <laughs> well I mean I was like a video store fanatic you know I lived yeah. in this cosy ass quaint beach town and it had one video store run by the one dude with a pug and, uh-huh. um, Glorious. it, it just like, there was no rhyme or reason to the selection of films they would get in. So right. like you would, it, it had everything from like student films made down the street to like, <laughs> you know, the, the latest blockbuster. And I yeah. feel like I discovered so many films that I would mm-hmm. never have found, or even if I had found them, probably wouldn't have watched if I'd just been looking on Netflix or something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, there's something so um, optimized these days about the browsing experience. You know, like they mm. A-B test the cover image of the the show, which is such a weird thing. When you think back to, like, the, the video store experience, a lot of the time you would you would like find something based on the um on the dvd cover or the, or the vhs cover exactly. and sometimes it was just the spine of the vhs because they were stacked mm. so close to- so closely together <laughs> and yeah. so you have like the font to go off and maybe a bit of a splash of red or something and that's mm. kind of it and then like everything else was just you just had to flip them open and have a look and or like you know take it out of the uh off the shelf to be able to see the front cover and yeah there's as a result, you get some really dope front covers, whereas I feel like with Netflix and everything like that, it's so optimized, it's like they all kind of look the same. It's like the um, iOS app icon version of man screaming to the right. You know? Have you ever seen
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think because we live in the world of the algorithm, mm. um, I, I heard from a friend, and I don't know if this is true, but it would make a lot of sense, is that there's quite a few mm-hmm. alternate covers for like every show or movie on Netflix yes and it basically um analyzes what you've already seen so for instance i've watched a lot of tony collette movies on netflix because mm-hmm. i love tony collette and so every time netflix gets something that has tony collette in it she's she's the picture she's the picture and, yeah yeah and same goes for like jake gillen hall and all these actors that yeah. that i follow and will just kind of watch regardless of what kind of movie they're in and it it knows it knows i like these actors and it's like that's look, amazing this this person was in this hyper trash movie that you wouldn't usually like but jake yeah. gillen hall <laughs> and yeah, i'm like all oh, right <laughs>
1: yeah yeah right you you get like it's not even just, like, A-B testing, right? It's, it's that level of content um, curation where they'll they'll go out of their way to have every actor featured in the movie have their own version of the icon or of the cover image or whatever.
0: Mm. Um, and that's, that's an interesting way of Netflix selling you content to watch, right? Because yeah. it's just taking a pretty good guess um, at what it thinks you'll like. But the issue with algorithm-based suggestions is that sometimes the al- algorithm is shit like when it uh, divides up films by category I feel like it gets it wrong all the time you know yeah. when it suggests horror films or thrillers yes. like yeah. you know going through the video store when you're in the horror section they were all bona fide horror films yeah and most and of the them covers you- were scary <laughs> and the covers were fucked. Like, the yeah. covers would scare the shit out of you. you're like, all yeah, right, yeah. this is going to be a good time. I remember, like, sometimes not
1: wanting to walk down the horror section because my eye would, like, catch <laughs> a glance of some fucked up horror image on the front cover. <laughs> like, that's how fucked up it was back then as a kid. That uh, That's dope. It's yeah. so good. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, the problem that I have with the, the Netflix thing is it becomes so homogenized. You know, it's not like that there's no mm. room for surprise anymore. Like, the whole point of the video store is, like, oh, my, all the new releases of that movie that I wanted to watch are gone. I mm. guess I'm going to have to walk down this, like, section of the video store. I don't really go down very often and just grab something because it's the kids that want to go and, like, the wife has got dinner or, you know, whatever. Like, there's all sorts of situations where you just, like, I, I, I don't have what I want available to me. Or even just, like, I don't really know what I want. And so you just wander around. And that, that feeling of, like, wandering around really isn't in... The browsing experience of netflix i don't think it can be like that Mm. unless you're in like virtual reality and even then there's like (laughs) the problems with that but like
0: isn't isn't that that funny though that like we're like how can we bring that feeling back Uh, it's got to be vr you know yeah it's just got to be
1: vr it's so trash though it's such a like poor analog. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, And maybe that's just like, this is going to come up a lot, but like the grumpy old man in me, (laughs) we mentioned last week, but yeah, I just, I just need, there's something about that experience of, um, going around the aisles of the video store and having your eye caught by something that Mm. that you might not have seen and then getting it and either hating it or it being like the coolest thing you've ever seen, you know, Mm. like it's, it's, you just don't get that anymore.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's the the key difference, right? Is just discovering gems. I I yeah. don't really discover gems on Netflix, even not though right. they've added that surprise me button. Have Ooh. you seen that button? Uh-huh. I'm never gonna click that button ever. Me neither. Like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like you know, I've got a watch list. If it was a r- random button specific to my watch list, then maybe. But it's just not the same as, you know, having something catch your eye.
1: Yeah. It goes back to the uh, Elden Ring example of being guided to, you know, an experience versus uncovering it yourself. Like, that that is so much more... You know, the surprise me button is the most oxymoronic thing because it's like... (laughs) because you're pressing a button like it's that doesn't that doesn't mean you're going to be surprised <laughs> it defeats the purpose of the button it's Netflix. probably algorithmically organized to like give you something closely resembling your interests that you've already you know like oh i'm sure it is come i'm on, sure man. it is it's not that's not a real surprise <laughs>
0: Oh my god. It's like, okay,
1: it's like all you've eaten all your life is like chicken wings and pizza. And then, like, you're like, oh, surprise me. And then you know what you're going to get is going to be either chicken on pizza or like chicken wings again. You know, like, (laughs) it's it's not a surprise.
0: (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. And like uh, tying things back to video games, I hired so many shit video games. (laughs) <laughs>
1: like oh yeah
0: like you know i think that's probably the main way people played gex i don't yes. think anyone no ever owned actually gex. owned gex it was yeah. just one of the most hired games ever uh, incredibly said
1: yeah i'd forgotten about gex and my lack of it look here's the thing i would like get gex and the game would like have a scratch on it or whatever and i'd be like oh i guess this one's fucked like there's no i'm never going to get to play gex this time Uh, And then I'd rent it again. And then same thing would happen. Like, why did I rent it again? Something (laughs) about the front cover on Gex really had me... Yeah,
0: God. Had me obsessed. Yeah. There's just, like... I I think we've talked about this before where the the B-grade style of game that is, is coming back now... It, mm. Like, it used to run rampant in in the hiring days because yeah. I, I think that was, like, a genuine way for publishers to make money. Selling like to video stores. Yeah. Like, Matt, Matt Damon talks about it in one of his interviews where um, someone asks him how streaming services have changed the industry. Mm. And, and he said, well there's a lot more pressure to produce the kind of movies that everyone likes rather than the kind of movies yes. that I like. So, yes. he, he tried to say, you know, he he wants to make a drama film, which is what he did a lot in the 90s and, and was his favourite kind of film to be a part of. And, you know, you might have a $100 million budget for that film and then $50 million in marketing. And to earn that back in the cinema wasn't really 100% of the goal. It, yeah. it was to to earn everything back eventually and make a profit, but you would have this second wind when it hit the video stores. Right. Um, And like, you know, that that overnight, I, I don't know, I feel like it was like, I don't know, five bucks, six bucks, sometimes even $7. Like I yeah. just... Expensive. Yeah, like adjust to DVD and you could only have it for the night. Yeah. Like it, it was like a scarcity thing and it was like a recency bias thing and it just yeah. like made it exciting. And, and that was a real um, opportunity for, for publishers to make their money back. And I wonder if the same kind of thing applied to video games where like how mm. many people bought Sarge's Heroes, you know? <laughs> no one bought that fucking game, but so many people have played it because yeah. it was just like, it was in every video store I ever went to during that era.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. I have a memory of, of renting. Uh, what was it? Is it, one? it was a Naughty Dog game way back when. Uh, oh, Jack and Daxter. No, um they did another one. They they've done like remakes of it recently. It's like the little band- crash bandicoot, the little bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> crash bandicoot renting that and then like oh, yeah. yeah, getting to the end and um having like again like a scratch on the disc and We couldn't we couldn't finish it.
0: I just remember that being so disappointing. <laughs> Savage. That's where that's where the Nintendo 64 team yeah we can't scratch that shit (laughs) yeah
1: yeah true um but yeah no i i think you said an interesting thing earlier where you were like uh, where the 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 problem sort of lies in instead of making something that someone is interested in you know like the director or the writer or whoever it happens to be who makes the thing Mm. um you get what what most people would click on you know like and that becomes Mm. this like homogenized watered down very contrived predictable in in a lot of senses um trash from the floor yeah. and um and yeah i think that's my my main problem with with netflix right now is even though there's some stuff on there that's probably worth watching and good a lot of the the new things that i'm seeing come through are all the same and it, mm. a lot of it's really geared towards like you know nine, 18 19 year olds i feel and yeah i'm not i'm just not i'm not interested i don't i don't want to see you know I don't want to see any of the stuff they're putting up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's it's something I think video... I mean, probably every industry suffers to a degree based on what's popular. And when things are popular for a long time, like, it just breeds complacency in video game design. So, you have, you know, Far Cry 10 or whatever they're up to now. Like, I know... I know the most recent one was Far Cry 6, but there's been a lot of Far Cries that haven't had a number for some reason. Mm. And, like, it's the same with, with Mass Effect, right? Mass Effect, like, Bioware are giving updates on Mass Effect 4. And it's like, we know you made Andromeda. Like, <laughs> don't try and bullshit us. We, yeah. we you know, the the... Disgusting masses pleaded for it, and then they got something crap, and they hated it. But they still pleaded for it. That doesn't change the fact that the desire was there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, there's like studies around this. I think it's like um, a real marketing thing where like I remember the exact example. It was something to do with Campbell's soup, though. They were like trying to figure out whether or not offering more choices was better than offering fewer choices Mm. and they ended up with this like you know they had this whole range of different types of soups and you know different some different amounts of chunky and what they ended up seeing was like a lack in sales of any of the soups because there was too much choice right Mm. there's just like this paralyzation thing that happened whereas when they were like you know there's two types (laughs) there's chunky no chunky that's it you get to choose that's all you get Mm. They, they like you know they saw a great deal more business Mm. um and there's this whole thing of like the consumer doesn't really know what they want yeah when it comes down to it they think they know they they like they get together and there's like focus groups and you know the the this is the problem with the algorithm is it tells the publishers and the the um streaming services what people want but Mm. it doesn't really tell them what they want (laughs) it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't give them any any semblance of like useful data around what could be interesting to happen next Mm, like, you yeah, just tell yeah.
0: them what's happening now. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, that shoots the creative foot mm-hmm. in the foot. Uh, that was a bad analogy. <laughs> no, but, <you>. uh, <laughs> 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 um, but I was I was going to ask, did you see that recent Harry Potter game trailer? Uh, yes. So, the the gameplay one that was like yes. maybe... T- yeah. So, don't you think that is the kind of game that an algorithm spits out? <laughs> like popular yeah. IP, and then everything in that game is exactly what I want to see with zero mm. surprises. Oh it's yeah. open world you can fly your broom you yeah. got to collect things to make potions to help you fight it's just and it's yeah. you're a Hogwarts person and and you get to hang around in your dorm and like talk about sex with underage teens and like <laughs> oh, <no>. it's <laughs> and it's just like yeah I want all of that mm. but is is that actually offering anything at all like we've talked about it before where games just have nothing to say like the yeah. 40th iteration <laughs> of pokemon or yeah, like that's... the next open world game and yeah. it's it's just like we get stuck in this rut where it sells and people see it and they froth at the mouth and then mm-hmm. the cycle continues yeah
1: yeah i think um yeah this is very much down that pontificate about the current state of video games thing right like it's sounds mm. super Super reliant on on growth and capitalism and year on year sales, right? Like there's all of that stuff that plays into it pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that Harry Potter game looks really exceptionally shit. Um but the problem <laughs> is that it has so much in it. You know, like I can tell a lot of people worked really, really hard on creating what they've made here and they've got like you know, like it's got everything. Like I remember when I was working at GREE and we were working on that game, um, I can't remember what it was called now, but it had it was just like the most designed by a committee it was like take the three most popular things in the mobile gaming space and mash them into one game right so there was like city building there was a shooting game and then there was like a clash of clans style game Mm. all all in the one thing oh i
0: remember that yeah 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 i remember shooting zambas on your phone yeah
1: yeah yeah um and yeah the, the whole goal of it was like oh they'll you know anyone who plays this game will have something for them and you don't have to necessarily engage heavily with any one section to still enjoy the game mm. the problem was it was just like a balancing nightmare yeah. um right because all of the different games had different types of currencies and there was supposed to be like inter- interconnectedness between the modes and it's it's like a, you really need like a single person to be like heading up the design but they had like you know product owners signed on and signed off throughout the couple of years that i was there on on the different parts of it and it was just like such a a web uh tangled web and i kind of feel the same way about this harry potter game it's just so many parts there's like you know like there's the open world part and then there's like the crafting part and then Mm. there's like the engaging combat part and then there's like you know um a base building part where you like have your dorm or whatever and you get to like fit it out with all of your stuff it's like god damn like this is this is so many things so many things like i don't i actually don't I get fatigued looking at it because it's not like <laughs> there's no one thing for me to really grip onto here. It's not like, oh, I'm excited to like, you know, play Grand Theft Auto because there's like cool cars and I get to drive them, you know, mm, like, mm. and then everything else just kind of falls away and it's just part of the experience. It's like Harry Potter's like, I, I guess I want to, uh, 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 and there's just like too many <laughs> things.
0: I, I think, um, cohesion is probably the most important factor when it comes to modern games that try <laughs> to stick so much stuffing into the pig. So like Elden Ring is a pretty good example of a game that has great cohesion. Um, like the, the main aspect of the game is exploration. Um, and when you explore, you find challenges and those challenges often result in rewards and those raw rewards help you, either overcome other challenges or they make exploration easier. And it's just like... That's, that's the formula. That's yeah. pretty great. Like, yeah. it, it, it's, it's an example of a game where everything in that game serves something else in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we take it for granted in, in games like Elden Ring or, you know, games that FromSoft produce just because they're so good as a standard. Yeah. Um I know I, I take that kind of thing for granted and it's only when I play something like Ghost of Tsushima or <laughs> or Control where like I hear a lot of good things and I'm like this is a supremely average experience yeah. like it has some it has some amazing things but it has some torturous things yeah. and like I feel like people overlook cohesiveness in video games because it does a bunch of other stuff that is either old stuff that they've done really well or in rare instances new stuff like in control they did some new stuff that was pretty yeah. great yeah. um but yeah i think i think cohesion is like the the main challenge when it comes to game design and like finding meaningful interaction in a world like harry potter
1: yeah yeah look i think you've really struck something pretty good there cohesion is hard in video games because we don't usually have a strong direction um usually what it ends up being is like a few leaders within the game sort of work together especially in larger studios work together to have some amalgam of the you know all of their opinions and vision right compared to a movie you know like the lighthouse or something right where like the cohesion is so solid. Like everything oh fits God. in the world. And it's like, to the point of like odd choices and that, but the odd choices make sense because they're from the same person that made all the other choices, you know, mm, like mm. It's that singular it's, it's a little bit, you know, there's like a kind of darker side to this, which is like the auteur side where it's like people, there's no challenging the auteur. You just have to, it's like a yes man thing. Mm. Um, and that's like the, the flip side of it a little bit, but, um, it, I think that's why a lot of people really like indie games is because they're made by smaller teams with um, simpler vision, usually by, you know, people, there's not a whole lot of room for creative wheel room in smaller teams when like maybe there's three pit, pe- three people in total working on it. And two of the three people don't care about the look of the game. <laughs> they're concerned <laughs> about, does it work? And, um, and, uh, and marketing it or something, you know, like yeah, all of the rest of the work is getting done by this one person.
0: So you get solid cohesion. Right. and I think I think that also ties back to walking into a video store, like mm. the constraints you have actually boost your creativity in a way. like because you're only giving given a, a specific set of parameters yeah. and maybe a specific time and budget, you're like, all right, well this is this is all we can do, and we have to do something. Yeah. So let's go for it. like yeah. rather than, You know, uh any any of the the yearly AAA games that are this kind of muddy pool of all their old games and maybe one or two new mechanics. Yeah, yeah, that have to
1: do something. Part of it is really beautiful because it's like, Mm. the and and it's something that is lost and a a little bit worrisome when you look at services like Game Pass and um, PlayStation's new offering with what they're trying to do with the PlayStation service, where you get you know you pay a subscription like a Netflix subscription and you have access to a library.
0: Yeah, um, and so. and I I know that that was something you talked about in your news segment, but that yeah. was a couple of weeks ago now, and still we know nothing about like <laughs> it hasn't been you know we, an update. yeah we know the price, and you don't you still don't know what you're getting for the price, which is so dumb. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bonkers,
1: but yeah, so you get you know that aspect of having to choose something. I think is so um, relatable, and maybe even a little bit nostalgic for a lot of people of like. I get to pick one video game for Christmas this year from grandma or whatever it is, you know, like there's, mm. and I, I, I can only pick one. Mm. You go to the shop and there's like, oh, there's like 30 games here. Mm. I guess I'm going to pick the one with like the coolest cover or the one that's on the cover of the magazine that I read, you know, like mm. the, it, whereas a, a subscription service, you get access to hundreds of games and you just, you pay one thing and sure it's convenient to have to pay one thing and you get a hundred, hundreds of games. But there's no impetus for you to really play any of them because you didn't make a choice. Right. You know? So
0: that, that asks the question, does convenience <laughs> kill creativity? Ooh, uh, I think, um, I think capitalism kills creativity. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you all the way.
1: I think there's, um, there's a certain part of it where it's like, yes, the artist needs to survive. They need to be able to eat and support themselves and grow and, you know, move forward in their career and all that sort of stuff, which is, mm-hmm. which I, there is a solution for. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't really know the answer right now. But, um, yeah, th- the problem is that when you have systems like the one that we're in right now um, where, you know, the masses basically decide the vision of what gets made next um you end up with instead of constraints you end up with um you end up with you know like a like a status quo or like a quota to fulfill right it's not like it's like a quota yeah and so yeah it's it does kill creativity um in in a lot of ways but um it's i I don't want to say it is like a broad sweeping statement i think i think there's a lot of really wild cool stuff happening in both film and video games these days despite all of this stuff yeah um, yeah so I... I think in in a way um it might even be a cool new constraint for the medium to kind of not overcome but move through mm. so you'll get like games like maybe the one that i'm working on right now which has has really weird um there's no real no one's asking for this fucking game my dude <laughs> um and you know movies that i can't think of right now at the top of my head but you know that that no one is really expecting to see uh, mm. and that, that don't belong on streaming services they may end up there as a result of you know their cult status or whatever but mm-hmm. they're not designed to be on there
0: yeah, and, and something that I feel I should say is just because something is popular doesn't mean it's bad. Correct. You, that you know, too. we're not Aphex twin from the early nineties. <laughs> um it's 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 just that when things are popular and more people try and do them, it just mm. gets stale pretty quick when like You know, every year there's three open world games that come out and like, you know, in one you've got a sword and one you've got a gun or whatever, but it's (laughs) just, it's just like, it's not that exciting. Um, and I think especially in young people, there's this weird, and it's like a very human thing. There's this weird idea that you have to feel loyalty to something. Um, like if I buy Far Cry three and I really loved it, there's some weird human thing where I'm like, okay, I'm loyal to the Far Cry series. Far Cry three was really good. Okay. Four wasn't quite as good. I don't know what the next one was, but I'll I'll (laughs) get that as well. And like, really it, it starts to become more about like your loyalty and what was good in the past rather than what you actually enjoy in the present. Totally. Yeah. That's a really
1: interesting point as well. um, I want to sort of pivot us around a little bit because I was watching the Tim Rogers video on Pac-Man throughout the week before I was long. Oh, um, how
0: good is Tim Rogers? <laughs> I'm so love... glad you liked him, dude. Oh, dude. He's he's just... Um, his attention to detail is something that I really admire in people mm. and, like, he tackles the way he handles talking about video games like a project. Like oh, it, it's it, so thorough. Yeah. Yeah. And it just like, it reminds me of like the stuff I love about project management, like to, to, to engage me, give me like 100 problems that concern (laughs) 80 people at once, you know, that, that really gets me thinking. And that's exactly how he does these interviews, uh, sorry, these reviews. Like he, he just, he has his intro, which is usually like an hour, Depending mm-hmm. on the game, and he just starts to talk about everything that relates to this game for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. in in the case of Cyberpunk, it was extreme, and that was yeah, like he went overboard. Oh man, that was the first review I saw of his, oh. and it like I was forty minutes into the into the video. I'm like, wait, this is an intro. Yeah. Like we're not actually into it yet, and. The, you know, he talks about video game chairs and watches and sunglasses and clothing and the history of the genre. Cyberpunk, and, yeah. And, and what <laughs> the genre actually means and, yep. like, it's history in, liter- like, literature and in movies. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is just so satisfying to watch. Yep. Um, What's so, so
1: impressive is he yeah, just yeah, briefly with the cyberpunk thing is he do- he doesn't just list them. It's like he actually went and played them and read them and watched oh, them. You know, all of this stuff is like things he's now consumed. All oh
0: right, so that that's the difference, right? There's yeah. there's it's one thing to be knowledgeable, but like I feel like when i would say prepare for certain aspects of a project i would just read up on them and be able to talk to them but i'd basically be regurgitating whereas he has his own experiences with everything he talks about and is able to give his specific opinion yeah yeah totally and so uh,
1: during this pac-man video he was talking a lot about like um the various machinations and incanta- uh, not gonna, um iterations of pac-man over the years oh, that yeah. have all been like really odd um often not by the original creator of pac-man um analogs of the thing and yep. he was talking about um how some some games end up go- going on to have movies or properties associated with them like there's a there's actually a pac-man tv show um but then he was like, why is there no Mona Lisa movie? And then he said, because, the you know, Mona Lisa is a work of art and there's no Pac-Man movie, or there should never be a Pac-Man movie because Pac-Man is a work of art. I was <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. like, yes, I mean, there is no reason to adapt a perfect work of art, you know, the style of Pac-Man or Tetris, you know? Like, there's no need for this. It has mm. no has no grounds to exist. and so like anything that does get made is kind of
0: this like weak. <laughs> I of, mean, um, how, how could it not be weak? Yeah. You know, like it's just the the only reason it could be made is because of money, which is mm. like a reason that a lot of things are made, but like it it'd just be such a stretch. To mm. try and make a Pac-Man movie, like um, although it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility since that fucking emoji movie exists. Yeah. Like Yes. That's that's a movie that exists, and I know, it's I've about seen it. a... <laughs> Have you seen it? Ian McKellen is in it. <laughs> no, really. He plays the poo emoji. Oh my god! <laughs> that we is... have fallen so far. Oh god. Yeah. I don't know how to Assess that. <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway, <laughs> continue. <laughs> no. You <Yeah>, can't continue. <laughs> <laughs> I derailed this 100%. Oh my God. Yeah, it's just no that. Way. Okay, so the Pac Man movie, I was like, yeah, no, no way. Like, that can ever be a thing. But then I thought of the emoji movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, because the emoji movie has just, like, ex- existed outside of my reality. You know, I know that if you type emoji movie in Google, there's, like, a Rotten Tomatoes score and it's on mm-hmm. IMBD. But, like, otherwise that movie doesn't exist for me. But mm-hmm. now that you've seen it and Ian McKellen voices the poo emoji, like, it's it's suddenly very real. And, yeah. like, is Pac-Man coming out in fall of 2023? Like, when mm-hmm. is it coming? Because now it's definitely coming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, Pac-Man was featured on the... Um, he was on the poster for a movie. I can't remember what it was called. Was it was called Switch? Oh, fuck. There was oh, a, a Re- huge, Wreck-It yeah. Ralph? That video uh, game? Yeah, he no. was in Wreck-It Ralph. The, um, but Wreck-It Ralph is a slightly different beast. Oh, God. I have, what's the time? How much time do we have? I don't want <laughs> to... D- we got 15 minutes. Oh, oh, we got <laughs> 15 minutes. Okay. You know what? We'll, we'll, cover, we'll cover Wreck-It Ralph another time. But yeah, um, I, I think it's like certain video... and Oh, God. So, yeah, so certain video games like Pac-Man and... And maybe even, like, The Last of Us mm-hmm. and maybe even, like, um, Mario. Mm-hmm. They're just, like, they're so grounded in the medium, you know? Like, the mm-hmm. design of all of these things, maybe less Last of Us, but the Mario and Pac-Man, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, the design of them is so much a part of, of their, like... Um, existence you know like you can't pull any one part of any of these games apart and then not still have the rest of the game right. you know what i mean like you yeah. can't you can't take one of the ghosts out of pac-man or like the the um the maze that like sends you from one end to the other out of pac-man you, you don't have the game anymore it's yeah. just not the same yeah um and so going so far as to abstract it into an entirely different medium is just like it's not sacrilege but it's like it's just uh It's just like futile. There's no, there's no
0: real, you can't, you can never do it. Right. It's like like turning water into gold or whatever. It's just not. Exactly. And I think that's why video game movies suck because that's what they try to do. And you know, even if you just focus on something within a movie, that's extremely important. Like the story, Mm -hmm. like movies have been around for a lot longer than video games, especially story based video games. And when you take these IPs that have been made into movies, like Sonic and Mario and all that kind of thing, like you you you, there's no story to pull, right? Like there's there's, so so you you've got the license to be able to write a story from scratch, and still it just always ends up being just shocking, just absolutely shocking. Like even you know, and and I'm not just saying that regarding video games made into movies for kids, like, you mm-hmm. know, ma- maybe some kids get some enjoyment from the Sonic movie and that's great. But like even using Doom as an example, which is like, you know, it had Hollywood actors and, and, uh, a Hollywood budget. I'll be honest. I don't know what the budget is, but like seeing that movie for 2005, you yeah. like, you know, it had set design and it had set pieces and action. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there was a lot going on. Um, and it, it's just like, why wouldn't you just make a new movie? Like yeah, from, with all from of those resources. Exactly. Like, you've got those resources. You're not... You're going to have to break away from so many things that make Doom the video game Doom the video game. Yeah. Like, why don't you just have, like, a hell-based event happen in a sci-fi world, and you get to create brand new characters and a story to match?
1: I agree. I think that's a great point. I I want to return just really quickly to um, the Mortal Kombat old movie. And oh, yeah. uh, there's like a um, Double Dragon old movie and uh, even maybe even the Mario old movie.
0: Um, <laughs> I, to a certain oh, extent, I think like yeah. there's,
1: like you were saying, like these movies don't necessarily take themselves super seriously. Mm. And so like there's like an amount of schlock and camp that comes along with those movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are past the point of ever being able to do that again. I think mm. I think anyone that tries to achieve that sort of schlocky campy weird lo-fi video game remake of a movie uh, a video game version of a movie movie oh my god I'm having a stroke <laughs> <laughs> video game movie adaptation um is, is like kind of doomed to fail right like there's unless you're gonna go and like try to set the tone like do all the things that they did back in the 80s you know like have no visual effects really or and like make all of the prosthetics out of you know out of uh, physical effects you know like mm, doing all mm. that stuff which most people don't know how to do anymore it's like mostly a lost art i think yep. it's still going to turn out to be garbage just just it's just like there's no there's no way to to revive that faithfully
0: yeah well i think i think if they were to do it they'd need to do it in a manner that makes sense and for that to make sense you need a whole team of movie producers and executives to have a very strong understanding of the video game content that they're making use of. Mm. So like, you know, I think Bioshock has been pretty popular in like on the internet is like what video games should be made into a movie? Like everyone's Mm. like Bioshock. The universe is so cool. And it's like, yeah, if you, if you just took the world and nothing else, like you didn't take any of the characters or the story or anything like that. If you just took the world and then created your own story within the world, then you have a chance of like hitting on something that would resonate with Bioshock fans mm. but not have to compete with Bioshock the video game yeah yeah
1: yeah I I think it's going to be real tricky though because then like the further if it is like you know big money involved it'd be like the further we stray from the IP the less likely we're going to bring those fans along
0: you know mm, like yeah. the, the,
1: the whole point of like doing the thing in in this in the same world is that we can say oh andrew ryan or we can say you know splicer or whatever like we have to be able to like have these key touchstones i'm just in the mind of a um investors executive right now yeah like these yeah. are the things that these that the consumers of this thing have said are the reason they like it and so they need to appear in this right product exactly exactly So yeah it's sort of doomed it's always doomed
0: yeah, yeah. And and unless they lose that, the, it's it's yeah. It's yeah. it's futile. Yeah.
1: Anyway, do you do lot. you want to hear some news? Some video game <laughs> <laughs> news?
0: Give me some news. Bloodborne yeah. Bloodborne Cart 2, it's already coming. Uh,
1: I love how that was the I can't I've outdone myself with Bloodborne Cart. We can't get better news than Bloodborne Cart. I, I truly believe that. Um okay, so here's the first piece of news for the week. No Man's Sky Outlaw. Is a new uh, No Man's Sky update.
0: Oh my God! They, I just yes, yes to all things No Man's Sky. Yes, I have so much appreciation for that game. Yes,
1: one of these days I want to I want to go back because there's been several other updates in between this one and the last time we spoke about No Man's Sky. Um, oh man! And this one's all about space pirates. And oh so man! Yeah, yes, like several <laughs> systems that have been like infested with the space pirates, and it changes the way. Um, you dock, unlike space stations and stuff like that. There's uh, all sorts of cool things going on that I that I didn't have too much of a chance to read before I before I wrote all this stuff down. But yeah, it looks oh, really cool.
0: That's awesome. Who who would have thunk that that absolute failure of a release would turn into something so beloved mm. and and so cared for by the developers? I yeah. just, it's it's so rare.
1: Yeah, it's actually getting to the kind of the point of like, bro, it's okay. You know, like, <laughs> you can Sean, stop now. You can chill. You you, you can, have like, redeemed yourself. Yeah, you redeemed yourself three years ago. Like, the game was fine at that point, you know, like, it was really good. And now you've just gone about, like, so far above and beyond. It's become, a, like, probably one of the best space games you can play.
0: Right, right. It really, it really ticks a lot of boxes, especially yeah. as far as, like, space exploration goes. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's incredible. It's got it's got everything you know. And like there's
1: nothing that game doesn't have for in terms of space, uh, sci-fi content. Love it, love it. Um, This one's a little bit um niche. There wasn't a lot of
0: news for me this week. Um, so <laughs> that's okay. I, I I'd like to hear what what you think is is good enough. To uh grace the it's almost the weekend airwaves. Alright, very good. Uh the standard is low, let me tell you that. Um so
1: Elden Ring player named Let Me Solo Hair Kills yes! Melania, yes.
0: I was hope I was gonna bring this up if you didn't, but I okay. love that you did. Yeah. I mean So this do, you, is... do you wanna
1: run me through what your understanding of this story is?
0: Yeah, so I mean this is this is how legends are made, you know? So like <laughs> um there's this boss in Elden Ring called uh Melania. Mm-hmm. And the boss is extremely hard for a couple of reasons. The the main two being that every time she hits you, she heals for three or four hundred health. Mm-hmm. Um which I think is a fantastic mechanic, but the thing that kills it is and the thing that makes her uh really difficult is she has this move called waterfowl and um, it basically can reduce you to zero HP from full health um, right. quite easily. And it's like a series of like four things she does. And within those four things, she attacks you from like, I don't know, five to 15 times in like a second. Right. Um, so like it does a lot of damage really quickly. And a lot of players are finding this really difficult even with help. Um, however... Uh, a legend has risen to the challenge of uh, soloing her. And again, this is something a lot of people can do. A lot of people solo her, but he does it, or she, or they, do it naked with a jar on their head, and they have the host sit back and do nothing. So So what that means is... Is they're being summoned to a world which automatically makes the boss harder, like more mm-hmm. health, more damage, and and this let me solo her person enters the boss room after the host. The host sits back and and just watches as this person emaciates Melania. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. How do they know to sit down? Is it just the username saying let me solo
0: her? Yeah. Yeah. So they there's just like that's the case. There's like it's been you know in dark souls 3 i made a character that had a specific username for a boss yeah um cuz i just loved there was this boss called dragon slayer armor and, oh yeah yeah and like i just got to the point where i could beat that boss without taking a hit and i i had some username that was you know summon me for dragon slayer only and sit back yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. Like, but I mean, compared to Melania, dragon slayer armor is really easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, and I, I think it's just so awesome to see that there are aspects of this game, which I deemed unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me, her waterfowl move just sucks. Um, I haven't worked out a way to dodge it, and so, like, I've I've gotten to her second phase a couple of times and all that. Um, and the times that I got to that phase, she just didn't do the move. So, for me, it's, like, become less about how good I am at the game and more about the RNG Probably. of her moveset. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, this person is showcasing that it can be done. Like, I, I haven't seen any videos of this this person, but... I assume they've got a strategy to, to dodge or get around that waterfowl move.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I, there's been so much uh, fan art and stuff put up mm. on Twitter of this character, basically almost in the nude with the loincloth and the, the pot. Does the pot lower <laughs> your stats or something? Is that why it's so uh,
0: iconic? Pro- probably. I don't know. Mm. It's it's just like a dumb face mask. And, you know, there's yeah. it's like the Dark Souls way to be naked and do a thing on your head <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: very good anyway yeah, I, I really like that that story it's um it's very wholesome it's very niche and um it, it soothes my soul um <laughs> final story is uh Elon Musk makes hostile takeover movements towards Twitter and so this is very loosely is- based around video games in fact it's not at all
0: it's just about social media is there anything he does that isn't hostile <laughs>
1: No. Um, Yeah. So there's there's a lot of people on Twitter being like, we need to leave. It's time to go. And I think this might be the thing to do it. I think if if it ends up happening, there's going to be mass exodus, but I don't know. Maybe that's just the circles that I move in. There's probably heaps of people who are really interested in sticking around and seeing seeing what happens to the platform. But he's, you know, he's all, you know, um, very passionate about making it a free speech centric, um, social media platform and, and, uh, (sighs) privatizing it. And, um, yeah, it's just not, uh, probably not what the platform should be, but you Mm. never know what will happen. It will see. We shall see.
0: Yeah. So is like, how is Twitter managed right now? Does it have like an owner, like the creator?
1: There is CEO Jack Dorsey. Um, though I don't, I think he is, um, fairly loosely involved these days at the management of the platform. I don't know. I'm, right. I'm sort of speaking out of turn here. I'm not sure. Um, but I believe they're public, and I think um, Musk is just looking to buy majority, right? Because um, he can. He has so yeah. many billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so yeah, it's just a, a weird, a weird thing to to do amongst all of the other things that he is currently already doing. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just a real shame that for one billionaires exist, but for (laughs) two, the offer that I saw most recently was for $58 billion. Yeah. And if, if that's, if, if that what he it, it, he if he's got that amount and like I was gonna say throw around but it's obviously an investment yeah but but even so I I just think that amount of money is so obscene and can be used in just so many different ways that oh yeah it's it's just so sad to hear when things are bought and sold for billions of dollars yeah like I feel like something is wrong when that's the case yeah it's there's huge issues in the
1: world when it when things are at that gargantuan scale um there's this really great video of this streamer named gregful uh who um unfortunately committed suicide a few years ago but he has this breakdown of like how much a billion dollars is and if i remember to i'll put a link to it in the in the in the um uh, the description but He's basically like, oh, you know, if you're doing a good for yourself as a streamer, you're making, you know, like 100000 maybe $200,000 if you're doing really well. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's really well. And then, you know, he's like, oh, sometimes people come by streams, you know, millionaires, maybe billionaires. Some people have a billion dollars and he like writes down, you know, how much they often donate. You know, they'll donate a couple thousand dollars or maybe they'll donate, you know, $500,000. they will just go wild and just donate a huge amount of money to the streamer. And then he's like, oh, well, now we're actually going to break down how much, a billion dollars is and he goes through and he like goes in a text document and writes down like a million 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 on rows and then in the next row is like you know and he adds it all up to however many millions a billion is equal to in this text document and he's like okay <laughs> so here's how much a billion is it's like scrolling down a text document with all of these million dollar lines right yeah, and he's like great. okay we're, we're gonna buy you know lambos for all me and my friends and he just goes through and like deletes the odd you know section of the document of you know a couple of these million dollar entries. And then he's like, okay, now I'm going to try and find where I lost that money by buying all my friends' Lambos. And he scrolls through the document. It's like impossible to see that this Uh. person has lost any money because of the the nature of the way that he's presented the information. It's just like, you know what? That's really bad. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't be able to tell that you've... you've, I mean, you should always be able to tell if you've spent over a million dollars, right? Like, that's not
0: a good sign. It's disgusting.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, I'll I'll send it to you. It's it's very uh, enlightening and cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. The name Wreckful rings a bell. I, th- I think he did Hearthstone streaming at one stage. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was, he was um, pretty
1: popular. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but Yeah, so that's a, a wild thing. People are moving to. There's a site called Mastodon, mm-hmm. which is uh, a Twitter like, but ethically owned, and um, there's no predatory advertising, and it's all like <gasps> really? open source and stuff. Yeah. Really? pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Mastodon. Because. Mm-hmm. I just haven't been interested in any of that stuff. And like yeah. I see Phoebe's Instagram every now and again, and it's, it's insane how many ads are on there now. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's three posts and an ad and, yeah. and that, that's just baloney. 25% yeah. ads. Yeah. Holy shit
1: i have on twitter i get heaps of ads too and they're all crypto ads and the number of times i click i'm not interested in this mm. is, is eclipsing you know the <laughs> hundreds at this point and i still get them uh, anyway so yeah that's the news I, I didn't i probably didn't want to end it on the <laughs> on the all-consuming nature of the world but there you oh, go that's bro uh... we're
0: we're all over the place this one i i yeah. opened with the topic in the first minute the news is right <laughs> at the end and it's doom and gloom we're all heading to a ditch uh yeah yeah but... you
1: know what here's what's beautiful is we get to sit down every saturday and have a chat and it's for a solid hour and i fucking love it and so
0: that's, <laughs> yeah you know, me too the highlight me too. of my week most of the time Hell yeah, so, yeah! Hell yeah! Hopefully, it's the highlight of your week as well, dear listener. Mm. Um, <laughs> I I guess we'll we'll see you when it's almost the weekend again. Yay! Well done. Bye. Bye. <laughs>